0: Well, good morning. In case you haven't noticed, I'm not Pastor Clint. He's on, you know, we're about the same height, but other than that, the similarities end there. Well, he's taking a break this week. He's on vacation for some much-deserved time with family. And so it's it's my privilege this morning to share what God has been putting on my heart. Now, before I start, I just want to point out, I don't know, some of you may not know this, but I have a twin brother, and he's sitting right here. He's a cheap imposter, so if he... (laughs) If he tries to pass himself off as me, don't believe it. Now, when Pastor Clint and I started talking about what was I going to speak on this morning, one of the first questions he asked me was, who's one of your favorite characters in the Bible? And, you know, I immediately said, it's Simeon, no questions asked. It was, you know, and not the Simeon of the Old Testament, Simeon of the New Testament, the old man who met the baby Jesus at the temple. You know, when I, when I read that, that passage, I am filled with awe. A lot of times, I get goosebumps just reading it, uh, just because of what's going on there. And so we decided that that was what I was going to speak on. And my prayer this morning is not just that you would hear God's word, and certainly I hope that God speaks through me uh, this morning, but also that maybe I would pass along that same sense of awe that I experience as I read that passage. So let's go ahead and open up to Luke two twenty two through 35. And I think we've got that to put up on the screen there as well. Let's read this. a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we thank you for this message, for, this, for your word, Lord. We thank you for um, how you reveal yourself to us through your word. I pray, Lord, uh, just for your spirit this morning that uh, you would work through me, Lord, that people would not hear me speaking, but they would hear uh, what you put, the message that you have for them, Lord. Lord, I just pray that the words that I speak would just be from you, and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to start with just sharing a, a story with you. I was born in California, my parents are from there. And all, all my relatives are, used to live there, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. And so our summer vacations were often going to California. And we would take side trips. And one of those side trips was to Yosemite National Park. Now, I, we actually went there several times. And I was just in awe. We've got a picture up there on the screen, the, in awe of Yosemite. There's a beautiful valley, huge granite cliffs, towering waterfalls, There's giant sequoias, there are beautiful meadows. It's just a magnificent place. I'm still in awe of it. Now, after I was married, I I wanted to share this with Susan, my wife. I I wanted to share that sense of awe and that experience that I had. And so we we planned a trip there, and we were going to stay a couple days. Now, I I could kind of tell on the way into the park, that sense of awe may not be translating as, as well as I'd hoped. Uh, she was reading a book and I go oh look at that yeah what? that's nice okay <laughs> back to the book and, look at that what oh that's nice uh, and you know eventually I, I, uh, I asked her to put the book down and I think we just rode on for in stony silence after that but... <laughs> so so we got to we got to the campground we had rented a tent cabin this is a a large canvas tent on a wooden platform, and they provide cots and linens and those kinds of things. And and that first sign that, that things were not going right was that first, that first night, we, uh, we discovered we were not even remotely prepared for the cool nights there. And for whatever reason, they, they didn't have the beds prepared for it as well, and we froze. And to the point where, like, in the middle of the night, I got up off of my cot, stripped all the, the sheets off, put them on the, on the other one, and we slept in that one little cot together but I think I think it was the whole time it was not very comfortable, but you know, and all that, just to share, there was all this beauty, and yet I think on that trip, I think we both missed the distractions took away, and we we didn't really uh, appreciate uh, the beauty of the creation that was all around us so this morning i want to I want to dive into our passage I want to go through and, and just break it down with you and and look through it, and then we'll come back around and i want to I want to show you three things that that I see that we should be in, in awe of in this passage. So, first of all, the, you know, just the circumstances. I, I think we're all familiar with uh, the story of the birth of Jesus. Caesar Augustus had declared a decree of the whole Roman world, and so Joseph and Mary traveled from their hometown of Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered and, uh, because he was a, of the line of King David. And while they were there, Jesus was born. And it, it seems they probably stayed there for several weeks after that. Now, um, so why were they there? Uh, one of the first things we see in this passage is how devout Mary and Joseph are. They're being very careful to do everything that's written in the law of Moses. And we actually see two things happening in this passage that are relevant to the law of Moses. And I, I suspect since Luke was writing to Gentiles, he was not super careful about outlining what they were. But, so, so first of all, following the birth of, the, of a son... The law required, it says that the mother was unclean for seven days. And after that, it required a 33-day period of purification. And then after that, to offer a sacrifice. So the offering they brought was not for Jesus. It was actually for Mary. Now, it was was, was part of her purification process. So secondly, the law said that the, the firstborn of man or animal were all consecrated to the Lord. Now, if it was a firstborn clean animal, it was sacrificed. If it was a firstborn male son, he was consecrated to the Lord's service at the temple. Now, God had made a provision. Rather than splitting up all the families, he had called the Levites to serve on behalf of those firstborn sons. So Jesus' presentation here at the temple was a, it was, it was a ceremonial and a recognition that, that Jesus belonged to God. And it's clear throughout this that obedience to God's commands was important to Joseph and Mary. So that's what brought Jesus to the temple. But things start to get interesting when when Simeon comes in. Simeon was different. The scripture says he was righteous and devout. It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Spirit had revealed to him that he would see the promised Messiah with his own eyes before he died. Now, since Jesus' ascension back into heaven... The Spirit has been offered freely to all believers. And, but it's not, it's not as clear how the Spirit worked before that. We, we see all throughout the Scripture before that, that uh, it says and the Spirit was upon this person and this person. And when we see that, we know that something important is about to happen. God's about to work, and His truth is going to be revealed. And the Spirit was very active in these first two chapters of Luke. Uh, he's mentioned in the events surrounding Ze- uh, Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth, their baby John, and Mary as well. And now here the Spirit is enlightening and guiding Simeon to the temple. And then we come to Simeon's hymn of praise. This this event was a fulfillment and highlight of Simeon's life. The text leads us to believe he was probably an old man, uh, and it doesn't really tell us much more about it than that. But he's been promised to see the Messiah with his own eyes before he dies. And God had come through on his promises, not just for Simeon, but for the entire world. And, and, and we'll, we'll dig into that in a little bit. And more than that, Simeon understood why Jesus had come. Jesus was going to save the world. But not just for Jews, for Gentiles as well, for everyone. And then we come to Mary's, uh, Joseph and Mary's reaction. Now, I'm, I'm not the only one in awe of what's going on here. It says they, they marveled about what was said about him. Which, you know, I, I think this is this is kind of interesting, too. For Joseph and Mary, the surprises just keep coming. There was the the virgin birth. There was Elizabeth's spirit-filled greeting of, of Mary. The, the appearance of angels to both Joseph and Mary separately. There was the visit that the shepherds reported of an, a heavenly host appearing and announcing Jesus' birth. So you think at this point, Joseph and Mary would be going, you know, it's no big deal. This stuff happens all the time with Jesus. But no, they are, they are continuing to marvel at what's going on. And now Simeon turns to Mary to tell her what the future held. Jesus was going to call, cause the fall and the rising of many. And it's, I don't think this is just talking about world, world governments. Jesus did cause the fall and rising of, of many, uh, many governments. But in individuals as well, uh, and their uh, individuals' obedience to Christ would be on full display uh, by their actions. We we see this throughout the New Testament. Some rejected Jesus, and some accepted him. Uh, the the prophet Isaiah describes Jesus as a stone that comes that causes people to stumble and fall. Isaiah says he will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. And that is exactly what we see from the New Testament and right up to today. People, some accept Jesus, and some reject him to their eternal demise. So Simeon has a, a dark personal message for Mary as well. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary would endure the agony of watching the religious leaders uh, dis- despise him, reject him, and ultimately put him to a brutal death on a cross. You know, I can't imagine the pain of a mother watching her son endure that. You know, The description of a sword piercing her soul is such a graphic metaphor of what's really going on there. Well, okay, so we've, we've looked at Simeon. And I, I'm sure it's, it's obvious that what really puts me in awe is not Simeon, but the person he encounters, and that's Jesus. So I, I want to look at, at three aspects about Jesus that should rock our world. Um, and I know, I know, maybe you're thinking, you know, come on, I know who Jesus is, but he, he deserves a close look. Now, I, I, I think there might be a, an unwritten rule of preaching that you have to have three points when you preach, and... Uh, they should all start with the same letter. So I have, I have three J's for you. Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. So. <laughs> so first of all, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Simeon says this about Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. God has prepared salvation in the light of all peoples, in the sight of all peoples. Now, I, I believe this refers to the, the hundreds of prophecies about Jesus that were, that were uttered over thousands of years, uh, that God spoke through his prophets. It was, his plan was on display for anyone to see if they would listen to the prophets or read the scriptures or pay attention to the scriptures. Um, so there, there are hundreds of prophecies. We're going to look quickly at just at four of them. Uh, Genesis 3.15 is the first pronouncement of the good news about Jesus. And it happens all the way back in the Garden of Eden. After that initial sin, the Lord spoke, uh, He speaks to the serpent in the garden and He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, the, the offspring of the woman here is, is singular. We take this to be Jesus, the descendant of, of Adam and Eve. Uh, and the, this. Uh, in the scriptures, uh, Satan is often depicted as a serpent, uh, so Satan will bruise Jesus on the cross, but Jesus will have the final victory when he defeats, he defeats sin on that cross now uh, i 'm sorry two thousand years after Adam and Eve, God made a covenant with Abraham that 's recorded in Genesis twelve and fifteen It says, "The Lord says, "I will bless you." Those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in in this covenant that God makes, he promises Abraham land. He promises more descendants than he could possibly uh, ever count. And we are included in in those descendants. And he promises that he will be a a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And that's who we are. We are recipients of of that blessing through Jesus. Now, a thousand years after that, after Abraham, God makes a covenant with King David. And this is recorded in 2 Samuel 7. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. He he says that David's offspring will establish a kingdom that will last forever. And Revelation 11.15 gives us a, a, a glimpse into the fulfillment of that prophecy. I don't think we have this on the screen, but... Uh, Revelation says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, 300 years after that, after King David, along comes Isaiah. It's still 700 years before Christ, and he records these words about the Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, Isaiah proclaims that the child who would come would bear all of these wonderful titles. And, and you know, here we see uh, indication of both Jesus' human nature and his divine, uh, his divine nature. So God speaks through the, uh, through the prophets, or through various prophets about Jesus for the next 300 years. And then suddenly God goes quiet. For the next 400 years, there's no word from the Lord and the people of Israel wait for the promised Messiah. Okay, so Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Secondly, Jesus is God incarnate. Now, the word incarnate simply means it's God in human form. Jesus wasn't simply a man. He was fully human while, being, while remaining fully divine. Jesus experienced every part of, of human life. He had physical needs. Uh, he aged, he expressed regular emotions, he learned, he even upset his parents. Uh, he died a physical death. He was human in every way except that he lived a completely sinless life. But he didn't stop being God when, when he was conceived. Uh, he, he is fully God and fully man. And, and this is one of the great mysteries of the Bible that I think, I'm not sure we really can truly appreciate uh, this side of heaven. We, you know, we, we know that fact but can we really appreciate what that means to be God and man? And the the Apostle John reminds us of all this in the first three verses of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and John makes it clear uh, a few verses later that uh, the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, And without him was not anything made that was made. He is fully God, the second person of the Trinity. He's eternal. Jesus is God incarnate. Okay, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is God incarnate. And, And third, Jesus is the Savior of the world. You know, I think Simeon got it. He may have had a special understanding of why Jesus had come into the world. Jesus was bringing salvation for everyone. You know, but what does that mean? Salvation from what? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that, that we've all sinned. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of God's standard. And I think even the most hardened heart recognizes that the things they've done, um, they, that they've, they've done uh, bad things. I, I think it's, it's usually obvious. Um, we all have that selfish nature that wants to put ourselves first. And the consequence of that sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not just physical death here on earth, but eternal death, eternal separation from God. Our sin is our downfall. It's, it's the end for us. There's nothing we can do in our own power to overcome that. But praise God, he provided a way through Jesus to everlasting life. And best of all, it's a free gift. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God did provide a way back to himself. And this was through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We we confess him as Lord, we receive that life eternal. And this free gift is available to anyone that will receive it. This, this was the reason that Jesus for Jesus coming into the world, to be the Savior of the world, and to restore us in relationship to God, to fulfill the debt that we had no hope of paying. So if you're here this morning and this is new to you, or maybe it's just sinking in for the first time, you know, don't leave without talking to myself or one of the elders or, or the person you're, you're with uh, about what it means to, be, uh, to accept Jesus. So, Simeon did get it. He recognized that Jesus brought salvation for everyone. Okay, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus is God incarnate, Jesus is the Savior of the world. Do you share my sense of of awe yet about this opportunity that Simeon had to meet Jesus? You know, I hope today you're not looking up going, you know, what? Oh, that's nice. (laughs) You know, uh, I think we tend to let the distractions of the world and the busyness of our day-to-day lives uh, to uh, miss the beauty and the majesty that's right before us. You know, how amazing would it have been to be Simeon to hold the baby Jesus to see that fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy fulfilled right there, to gaze into the very face of God, to behold the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to see salvation at work for the entire world and understand all that as you gaze at him. You know We may not be able to hold Jesus in our arms, but we can certainly appreciate who he is and what he's done for us. Okay, so this, this brings me to the, so what? You know, um, anytime, anytime we look at the scripture, anytime we read it, we need to ask ourselves, okay, what does this mean for me? What, what should I be doing? How does it impact me? And I, I have two takeaways for you this morning. You know, first of all, trust God and wait, faithfully wait on him. You know, we, we get the impression that Simeon had waited a long time uh, to see Jesus. Certainly, the Israelites had waited thousands of years for him. Uh, and in this scripture, we see Simeon described as righteous and devout. We see Mary and Joseph faithfully obeying the law and, and fulfilling the, commandments, the commands of Moses. You know, we, we ought to be doing the same thing. We need to be living righteous lives as we faithfully wait on what God has in store for us. You know Whether it's a, a small prayer that we're waiting on, or maybe it's the coming of the day of the Lord, uh, that is how we ought to be living. He is faithful. Uh, Paul, Paul urges the, the people in First Thessalonians, Christian brothers, we ask you, because of the Lord Jesus, to keep on living in a way that will please God. The, the next takeaway I'd have for you this morning is uh, just to meditate on Jesus and what God has done for us. Um, and, and that's how, that we ought to truly appreciate uh, everything he's done. You know, don't let the busyness of life distract or uh, take away from our time together with him uh, in a quiet time or uh, what, whatever you do daily. Being close to him, reading his word and praying. Uh, and you know, and just a couple of suggestions: read Hebrews, Hebrews one. It's a short chapter. Uh, read the whole book of Hebrews. It's all about Jesus and his, his supremacy and who He is. Or uh, read, read the Gospel of Luke. Uh, there's a, lo- a tremendous amount in any of the gospels uh, pointing to Jesus. You know, so just spend time being in awe of, of what He's done and what He's worked in, in our lives. That's, uh, that's all I had for you this morning. Uh, if you would, let's, let's pray together. Lord God, um, we are thankful for Your Word, Lord. I'm I'm thankful for a chance just to to dig into this, even for myself, Lord. This this passage about uh, about Simeon, it just it gives me goosebumps, Lord. Uh, just thinking of the experience that Simeon had to meet You, uh, Jesus, the, the Savior of the world, God incarnate, the fulfillment of those years of prophecy. Lord, I pray that um, in our daily lives that we would be uh, drawn to you, that we would see you and be amazed by, by what you do for us every day, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be focused on you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.